Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that amazing and compelling vision, that future that we all get to lean forward in expectancy that one day we join in that amazing glory that awaits us. What a joy that is. Today, as we open up the scripture, would you give us not our vision or our interpretation or our best thoughts, but would you give us your thoughts about what you want us to see and do, and in particular, how you want us to step forward into the future that you have planned? That's what we're looking forward to the most. In Jesus' name, amen. When you think about vision, great visionaries, you could go through history and probably identify some people that in one way or another their vision has touched you. Um, So I wonder if you have someone in mind, if you think, well, who, who is that great visionary that I respected that I that I you know I wish they I wish they hadn't have passed away because we need them in our world today and you could you could think through a long line I, I have a few not all of them are dead yet but uh, one visionary that I think is really an obvious one was Martin Luther King uh, he stood up and he had a dream and that dream changed America and ultimately changed the world as well and still is changing the world and so we would look at that and say he, he was a great visionary he he saw something that the people in his time couldn't see or couldn't believe. He saw something bigger. Uh, Another one was Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Back in the 1770s when so many people, the majority in fact, uh, didn't think that an independent group of colonies could break off from Great Britain and form a country. Thomas Jefferson was the one who penned that Declaration of Independence and, and saw something happening, not just in America, but really globally, uh, a surge of liberty and freedom that most people walked by didn't realize that, that the whole world was about to change. And, and God used Thomas Jefferson uh, to, to initiate that change, not just here, but, but all over the place. Another visionary that, um, that I know Evan is, really respects and enjoys is Walt Disney. Uh, if you've ever been to Disney World, all of us, of course, have seen Disney movies and all the things that go along with that. He had a vision for entertainment uh, that, that in his time was revolutionary. Now we take it for granted that every, you know, three times a year there's a new amazing film coming out that's so entertaining. But back in the day, he was, he was breaking new ground. He was looking ahead and seeing something that could be that wasn't yet and, and had the faith to sort of step out and take some risk and to try some new things. Um, one that has impacted my life probably more than I care to admit is, is this next guy, uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, he founded Amazon.com a long time ago. It was just a bookstore online. Uh, but he had a vision of the, the Amazon being the largest river in the world that someday, just like the Amazon sort of feeds all of its tributaries, and that there'd be this Amazon river of goods flowing through the heart of the U.S. And now here we all are, you know, signed up for Amazon Prime and getting boxes on our doorstep every other day. Uh, certainly his vision has impacted us. He saw something that the people back in the 90s in his time didn't see coming. They didn't see how the internet was going to transform commerce that much to where you really wouldn't even want to go to the store anymore uh, because of what he created. And, and then maybe the, the capstone of sort of American vision so far 
uh, back in 1969 when Neil Armstrong took that first step on the moon, uh, what that meant for America, what that meant for humanity. Uh, It was an amazing vision that was cast long before Neil Armstrong um, by JFK and even by people who preceded him uh, that, that, that the moon would be a, a target, that it would be something we would aspire to. Uh, and so you, you look throughout history and you can see how vision animates people to action that, that maybe, the, maybe the masses kind of missed it in, their, in the moment, and then they have to sort of catch up when the, when, the, when the vision comes to pass and everybody realizes like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Uh, suddenly the whole world is different. Well, in our series, we've been talking about how awesome God is. And I would submit to you that every example of human vision is really an illustration of God's ultimate vision, that God is the ultimate visionary. And so he looks down the corridors of time and he sees what could be. He sees a future that is desirable and joyful and he is actively building toward that And so we would look to God and and all the things that we've studied so far, the fact that God is infinite and that he's imminent and that he's he's sovereign and that he's excellent. Uh, We've talked about how God is a trinity. And last last week, that was was just an amazing message that Del gave us about how important that is to our faith and to our doctrine. And we look at this amazing, awesome God who, who really doesn't need to spend any time with us at all. He doesn't need us, but we need him. Remember that principle? Um, he not only cares about us and loves us, he has a vision for us. God is the ultimate visionary. And so the masses, just like in human visions, the masses haven't quite caught up to that. But one day, soon, they're going to be standing in God's throne room and going, oh, like now I see it. Now I see this whole vision unfolding. I, I didn't realize what this all meant. I didn't realize how big of a change this was going to represent. God is the ultimate visionary. So if you look up visionary and just kind of study the concept, it means having original ideas about what the future can be like, being innovative, far-sighted, imaginative, inspired. And I, and I would imagine that all of us in our own way sort of wish to be visionary, like we want to think at least that about our own life, if not for the organizations or businesses that we're a part of. We say, yeah, we, we, we want vision. We want an, an inspired future. We want something to reach for. We want to look ahead. And every time a human being exercises that, that quality of vision, I think that what we're doing is we're mirroring, we're imaging God himself, the ultimate visionary. So when God made you and I in his image, He didn't give us the ability to be everything that he is, but inside of who we are is like an example, an illustration of who God is. So it's no surprise that God is the great creator and he allows all of us to be little creators, or that God is the ultimate visionary, but he allows all of us to have a vision too. Uh, God is, is ultimately sovereign and he has all this power, but he gives you and I choices too. So, it's, it's, so when you look at your life and realize the things that you do, you are a walking image of God, an illustration of God, uh, it gets pretty exciting. All right, so what do we mean when we say that God is visionary? Um, here's, here's a way to think of it. To say that God is visionary is to say that he has the ultimate capacity to see and plan for the most desirable future. So he looks ahead far more than you or I could. And he sees what future he wants. 
he sees the desirable future, the joyous future, the eternal future. He can plan for that. He's the ultimate visionary. So where you and I, like we could try to imagine it, we could maybe think of little aspects of it, like, oh, I hope in heaven there's this or that, or, or I hope that someday this particular wrong gets righted. God has the ability to vision something far more than anything we could imagine. Okay, you see this all throughout the scripture. Um, in Isaiah, the, the, the prophet was confronting the people's idolatry. They were, trying, they were worshiping Baal, and they were, they, they were literally bowing down before statues and, and, and thinking that God was something they could control. And, and God is sort of having none of it. And so he comes, he comes to the people, and he, and he says, like, don't you realize who I am? Like, here you're worshiping this idol over here, but I alone am actually the Lord. And then he says, I only can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That is in contrast to some idol that you sort of hope, like maybe that, maybe that spirit has your best interest at heart. God says, hey, listen, I am the one uh, who has all the power. I am the one with the vision that actually is going to happen. Um, you, you could jump over to Romans after, after the Apostle Paul has talked through all, as he's walked through all the mercies of God and how amazing it is that God allows any of us to be a part of his future and his plan. And, and then he writes this, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? So God is the ultimate visionary, and you and I, we can look to God and we can say, Lord, I want to join you in your future. I want to believe your vision of what's coming. Instead of resting on my vision or some vision that somebody else gives me in this world or some sort of utopian scheme on, on this earth, well, the, God's vision is so much bigger, so much greater than any of that. Certainly not just worth a, a, a look, it's worth our allegiance, it's worth our full attention. All right, so turn with me in the scripture to the last couple pages of the Bible, Revelation 21, and here we have a description of what's to come. If any part of the Bible was an apt descriptor of how visionary God is, it would be this part. After all the pain and suffering on earth has been completed, after all the judgments are meted out. After the, after the whole plan that God has set in motion in this time and space has worked itself out, now we read about the ultimate future, uh, a vision that none of us could plan for, but when we read it, we're like, wow, that's what I want to be a part of. That's what suddenly makes my life make sense. You can see it in Revelation 21, verse 1. John writes this vision that the Holy Spirit gives him. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, 
I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So you've got this ultimate vision of what God is going to do, what he's going to bring. And he says, if, you, if you're with me, if you're one of my children, I'm going to carry you into this vision, into this amazing future where God's home is actually with his people. And there's no more separation. There's no more broken fellowship. This is eternal joy. This is a forever family. This is who God created you to be. And finally, it's fulfilled after all the story of the Bible where it was begun in Genesis, and that's where that that idyllic environment of fellowship with God was supposed to thrive, but then sin severed that connection. And the rest of the Bible is the story of God's redemptive plan to pull mankind back so that you and I could still be able to enjoy this future so that we could still be a part of the vision that God had always intended for us as human beings. Say, well, what happens if I don't get on board with that? Well, the next verse talks about how finally evil is vanquished and all who represent evil, all who do evil, are then set aside. It says the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, all who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So you have this incredible vision of the future, an incredible joyous vision for those who follow Jesus, a horrifying vision for those who don't. And God, the ultimate visionary, is setting this before us and offering us the opportunity to follow him. Now, back, um, back in the 1950s, uh, there was a little booklet, a little tract that came out. It was published by a guy named Bill Bright, and it was called The Four Spiritual Laws. How many of you have ever read that tract? Maybe a long time ago, or maybe you've gotten a newer version of it recently. Uh, Bill Bright was a visionary himself. He had, he had an amazing vision to see every campus reached with the gospel. And so he started an organization that today is called Crew, but at the time was called Campus Crusade for Christ. And, and that organization has made a difference all over the world in countless lives. And, and a lot of it started with this simple little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And the first law, at least the original version of that first law that was published, said that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Think of that for a second. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now that statement has taken some abuse uh, because people interpreted it to be meaning that in this life, everything would go well for you. Like God loves you and you're going to be like rich and famous and prosperous and happy and everything's going to go well. And obviously that's not how life works. God gives us grace to walk through the difficulties, but he doesn't take those difficulties away. So the wonderful plan is not just about here and now, even though I think you could argue if you follow Jesus, in general, your life really is a lot more wonderful than wandering around aimlessly or following someone else. So I would still say, hey, even on this earth, there's an amazing plan God has for you. Um, But the wonderful plan God has for you spans way further than this lifetime. Because when you join God's family, you have now everlasting life. That's where God's wonderful plan comes into play. And you say, God's vision for me is so big, so expansive, it spans all the way into eternity, and all I get 
is like these little hints in Revelation 21 and 22 of what it's going to be like to finally be with God. So that's the glory that awaits. That's what we're looking ahead to. That's what we're excited about. You say, well, Dan, what does it mean to me if God has all this vision? Like, how should I, what should I do with that? How do I learn about it? How do I apply God's vision to my own vision for my life? So just as we conclude, let me give you a couple ideas about that. All right, the first one, God's vision for me is that I would be a part of his family forever. You can turn over to Ephesians in the scripture to see, to see this playing out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So God's looking ahead, and he's seeing this world that's about to be created. He says, you know, I, I, I could just make spectacular galaxies and, you know, happy dogs and, and great-tasting bananas or whatever, but I, I want something more than all of that. I want someone who can, who can be adopted into my family, someone that could be my son or my daughter. And so I'm going to create human beings to be a part of this story that's supposed to last forever, all in the joy and the fellowship of God. And you and I have good news in this text as well. It's down in verse 13. It says, And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. So just when you would look at the, the plan and go, wow, that, that's great for some people, here's, here's the amazing thing. When you believe in Jesus, God points at you and identifies you as his own. You get to join this incredible eternal plan that God has. So first and foremost, God's vision for you is that you would not be an orphan, that you'd not be alone, that you'd not wander in the darkness, but that you would join his family forever. That is the purpose of your life. All right, here's the second way that this works itself out. God's vision for me is that I become like Jesus both now and in eternity. All right, so you've joined God's family. You're now a son or daughter of God. What are you supposed to do? Who, who are you supposed to become? Well, we see that over in Romans um, uh, such a great description of what God wants to do in all of our lives. Romans 8, down to verse 29. It says, For God knew his people in advance. There's that vision again, looking ahead. He chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So if you tie this together with what we learned last week about the Trinity, so you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is looking at the Son going, I love you. I love the fellowship we have. I'd love to have a lot more people kind of like you. Like, I don't want you to be the only person here. Like, like let's create sons and daughters. Let's create man in our image. And so that's when God started the world and he created human beings, to, to fill that, that desire so that you and I could walk with God and be a part of his fellowship. All right, but, but here's what's amazing. The, the person that God wants you to be 
is not just limited to who you are right now. He wants you to progressively become more and more like his son, Jesus. That's his destiny for you. That's what he planned in advance for you to learn how to do. And and it doesn't just stop with learning sort of the morals of Jesus. If you look on to verse 30, it continues the, the vision. It says, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing with himself, he gave them his glory. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're excited about. That's what we're looking forward to. We have, a, we have a seed of that now in the Holy Spirit living in us. But one day, we get to break forth and become um, a being, a, a, a full person, that right now we could hardly even imagine what that would be like. But we trust, this is where faith comes in, we trust God's vision. We say, Lord, I want to follow you into this amazing future that you have planned. All right, here's the third thing that this means for us. God's vision for me is that I fulfill my destiny to do good, planned long ago, now made possible for me by God's grace. Ephesians 2 says that it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So no one is here in right standing with God because they earned it. All of us are riding on the coattails of his mercy. All of us are being given things we don't deserve and could never own or never earn. But then it says that we are actually God's masterpiece. We are his, we are his special creation that was designed to do good, designed to represent all that is good and planned in advance God planned in advance all sorts of good for us to do, a future that we could live and be a part of. And I don't think that that's even begun to unfold yet. I mean, just a little bit. You and I get to, get to walk with Jesus and start learning what this looks like, but there's so much more ahead in the heart of our great visionary, in the heart of God for you. All right, here's the final piece. God's vision for me is that I hear and respond to the ultimate invitation to believe God's vision, to follow him into the future. At the very end of Revelation 22, as, as the, the book of Revelation is wrapping up, and really as the whole Bible, as we know it, is wrapping up, there's this invitation that comes out, and it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride, which is the church, all the followers of Jesus, the Spirit and the Bride say announce, declare, come, all who are thirsty, anyone who wants to, anyone who's thirsty and wishes to drink freely from the water of life, come. When you come, you step into a vision that's a lot bigger than you, a vision that can captivate you both now and in eternity a vision that never has to end, that never has to be interrupted, because you're stepping into the vision that also happens to not just be the wishful thinking of one of us, but it's the vision of our all-powerful, almighty, awesome God. And so you can have confidence that when you walk with him, you'll end up at the right destination. All right, so here's a verse that I'd like to send you out with from from 2 Timothy uh, that I think is so encouraging. It says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life, He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace in Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. 
He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So you and I have this opportunity, this incredible offer from God. The way to life and immortality is wide open before you because of what Jesus did. He paid the price. He, he, paid, he made it possible for us to be able to walk with God. And now simply that grand invitation is coming. Come. Are you thirsty? Would you like to become a part of a vision that's bigger than you, bigger than anything you could ever imagine, bigger than anything this world has to offer? If so, respond. Put your faith in God who has a vision for you. God who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your everlasting life. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me for just a moment? Lord God, we, in a very limited way, see what you're saying. That this world is not our ultimate home, and that this is not all there is, and that we were created for something far more far more important than anything that we could do in this earthly lifetime apart from you. We were created to be a part of your family. We were destined to do good. And so, Lord, today we look to you in faith. We want to respond to that great invitation to come. It's possible that some of you in this room have never responded personally to Jesus before. You've heard some of this. You've thought about following Jesus. Maybe you've made a priority of coming to church. That's a great first step. But there is a moment, an important moment, when you cross from one kingdom to another. When you give up your vision and adopt God's vision for your life. A moment when you put your faith in Jesus. And and I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to that amazing invitation to come and say, Lord, yes, of course, I want to be a part of what you're doing now and in eternity. Of course, I want to put my faith in the one who can see far into the future, who knows so much more than I do, who has a plan for life that is truly beyond my comprehension. That's what I want to be a part of. There's others here among us who maybe for a long time have believed in Jesus, but we've lost some of the awe of who God is. We've lost some of the amazement. We've let smaller things get in the way of the bigger vision. So whether this is your first step to come, or a renewal of that vision that God has for you, I want to invite you just to pray with me right now. So rather than just listening to my words as I pray, make this prayer your own. Add your own words if you want to. Lord Jesus, we come to you today in faith that you have a plan that is a lot bigger than our plan. That's what we want to be a part of. And so together we repent from our old way of life. We turn away from it. Our vision, our pride, our sin. Instead we turn to face you 
and your bright and amazing future. That's the road we want to walk. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to this earth to show us the way of true life, but also to pave the way by your own sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be restored to a relationship with you, so that we no longer have to be separated. Lord, today we respond to what you invite us to do. We come. We bring exactly who we are. Not trying to clean ourselves up first or put on some sort of performance, but just to say, Lord, here I am. You can use my life. You can guide my life. You can lead my life. I'm all yours. That is the first step on a journey that will not only transform you in this lifetime, but will change everything about your eternal future. So Lord, to that great invitation to come, we say, of course, you are our awesome God. Of course, we'll follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me offer you this one final option, challenge. And that is if today was the day that you took step one on a journey of faith. You said, for the first time, I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. I would love to talk to you about that, to pray with you, um, to help you get started on that journey. So I'll hang out up here. I'd love for you to come on forward and just say, hey, Dan, like, I'm in. Like, this is what I want. And uh, we'll pray, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what God will do in your life. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.